anyway, good morning. Hi. Folks, you're so welcome to the vineyard. Um, my name's Andy. I'm not new. I've just been on holiday for a few weeks. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor, uh, we hope you feel incredibly at home. Um, it's our privilege to host you uh, this morning. Too late to say Happy New Year. Are we still kind of in that zone? Maybe? Maybe not? No? Happy New Year. Um, so you can say the whole of January. Wow. If you say Happy New Year to me, anytime further on, I'm going to look at you slightly weird, but apparently it's legal. Um, so the last couple of weeks have been a bit mad and fun for Dana and I. We spent Christmas at her, uh, with her parents in South Carolina, and um, New Year's Eve, I was preaching at her aunt's church in Augusta, Georgia. I think I told some of you about this, and um, that, was, that was a new experience for me. So I was prepared for a little bit of interaction what, what, what I wasn't prepared for was the amount of interaction. <laughs> and you know what's really funny? I, I had to really discipline myself the whole way through my talk not to say, listen, could you all be quiet for just a second? I've got something really important to say. Like, it was, it was totally mad. And then we got home, and then last weekend... Um, we went to London. I was doing a conference uh, over there with a church called KXC. And uh, Sunday morning, uh, as we were finishing, they brought all the kids in. And the, it's kind of a church weekend, conference type things. So they brought all their kids in. And then they started to talk about the 12 things in 2018 that they were going to pray for. And they did all these different things. And the way they, they did this was they had these like white kids kind of vest things. And they brought the kids up and they'd written on the vests what they were going to pray for, and they put them on the kids, and I thought, oh, that's amazing, they're going to stand there, and then we're going to, you know, pray, great visual representation, that's not what happened, so they got everyone really close to the stage, and they got me up, because one of the things they wanted to pray for was Lagan Valley Vineyard, so they put me in this kid's bib, it was about this size, with Lagan Valley Vineyard uh, written on it, and then, Josh, you ready? This is uh, how they prayed for all of us. So you can see different children being passed around in the background and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's enough. That's, that's okay. And um, then Pete Hughes, who leads the church, they just decided they'd start passing him around. And um, it was everything I could do. I was wearing these rather large boots not to kind of kick him in the head. Um, new experience for me completely Sunday morning crowd surfing while people prayed. So I have to be honest, it's really good to be back in Northern Ireland where things are not too bad. <laughs> it, was, it, was a lot, it was a lot of fun, and I, I do, uh, I, listen, I don't want to go the full, like, stand up yelling at me during talks, but I do like it whenever you interact a little bit. We need to find some sort of happy medium between what is common in Lisburn and common in Augusta, Georgia, but anyway. Um, Stu started a new series last week called Rooted, and uh, if you were here, uh, he did just a phenomenal job, and um, if you weren't here, can I really encourage you to catch up with that online, so it's on the podcast, uh, you, can, you can join in, but I want to begin this morning slightly differently, um, <clears throat> by the way, if you have small kids in the room, be completely at ease, we talk about this all the time, um, this is just for you, Pete, um, <laughs> the, the metaphor the metaphor used in the scriptures for the church is family, and I don't know about you, but fa our family's pretty messy, and um, we kind of gave up the ghost about three years ago on trying to pretend like it was neat and tidy when people came over. I distinctly remember the moment when Dana said to me, I've had it, 
I'm not doing this anymore. And I was like, oh no, are you talking about me? What are you talking about? And she's like, I'm not doing this, clean the house before people come over, pretend like everything's neat and in its place and all that kind of stuff. People come over to our house now, they're just going to have to see it the way it is. And, and that's kind of how we do life now. It's, it's really fun. But there's something about that that's authentic and real, and that's what we want this environment to be. We're not trying to pretend like things are neat and tidy and there's not noise and interruption and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you do have small kids, please feel completely at ease. It's not a distraction to me. And uh, we love, actually, one of my favorite things is just seeing little people wandering around here while we worship. It's brilliant, and I absolutely love that. So be, be at ease if you have small kids in the room. Um, I want to start this morning slightly differently. I'm going to put the Lord's Prayer up um, behind us, inappropriately titled. It should be called the Disciples' Prayer, but anyway. And I want us to begin this morning, if you're able to stand, and we're going to pray this prayer together. So why don't we stand? And I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to lead us. Let us pray. But we want us to pray this out loud together, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. You can be seated. I want us to take a moment of quietness together for a second. And I want you to bring to your mind three people in your life that you would love to encounter the life and friendship of Jesus in 2018. Three people in your life that you would love to experience God's goodness and kindness this year. That might be a family member, that might be a work colleague, a neighbor, might be someone you know. It might be someone who has been following Jesus for a long time but is going through a really difficult season in their life. It might be somebody in your life who um, thinks they're as far away from God as they could possibly be. But I'd love to just take a couple of minutes and just bring those people to your mind. And as you do that, um, I want you to just in silence to pray for them. Just pray that this year would be a year when they would encounter and experience God's goodness, his kindness, and, uh, and his love. And then I'll pray together as we finish. So we're just going to do that in silence right now for a minute or two. Um, go ahead and do that. Lord, hear our prayers this morning. Father, we thank you that you're good and that you love us. And that we long for our community, our families, our friends, our work colleagues to experience the kindness and the love and the friendship of Jesus this year. Lord, for those we love that are in really difficult times, we pray that they would experience your peace and your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, enable us to demonstrate who you are to them. Would you make us vessels of your peace and your power? 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it was Tuesday, 12th of May, 2015. Patrick Murphy was heading home to his wife, Jenny, and two small children. He was on a train heading from Washington, D.C. to Philadelphia. He was sitting in a cafe car, reflecting on his day, headphones in, listening to Bruce Springsteen. He had done this journey this way many, many times. Suddenly, and completely unexpectedly, the train starts to shake. And then it starts to tilt violently from one side to the other. Murphy braces himself, gripping the table that's in front of him as other passengers all around him are tossed literally from their seats. Convinced he was about to die, he is doing everything he can just to hold on to this table in front of him. And then the train carrying 243 passengers and five crew members derails. The locomotive and the front passenger car slam into the ground and everything goes dark. Murphy's knocked unconscious. And when he comes around, he immediately checks his arms and his legs to see if they're still there. People are screaming. There's blood and debris filling the air, dust and haze. He can't really see anything. Murphy is a veteran of the first Iraq war. And what he comes to and is surrounded by looks like a war zone. Talking about the experience afterwards, this is exactly what he said. He said, after I came to and realized I was okay, my training kicked in. I did what any other soldier would do. Take control of the situation and be there for the person on your left and on your right. Murphy stands up, noticing that the doors of the carriage can't be opened and so he smashes a window and begins to drag those who are able to kind of walk out through the window. And then he goes back into the carriage. And those who are unable to walk, he puts pressure on bleeding wounds and comforts them until they wait for the emergency services to arrive. An incredible story of bravery and selflessness. But if you pay attention to the accounts of the emergency services engaging in some of the most horrendous situations and circumstances all over the world, it's not a unique story. If you pay attention to firemen interviewed after attending horrendous atrocities or paramedics or rescue service personnel after usually incredible acts of bravery and professionalism, I'm always intrigued, interviewers always ask the same question. They always ask the same question. And the response from those that have been engaged, they almost always respond exactly the same way. The question interviewers asks almost always goes something like this. How did you stay calm in the chaos? How did you not get overwhelmed by the carnage? And the responders always say the same thing. I got here and I saw what was going on and then my training kicked in and I went to work. They always say the same thing. I got here, I saw what was going on and then my training kicked in 
and I went to work. I hope you all know that we are in training. Wherever you are, whatever your job is, whatever you spend your life doing, we are in training. The question is, are you being intentional about what you're in training towards? I hope you understand that the culture, the world that we live in is training us how to think, training us what to long for, training us how to respond. We are in training. Any of you see the story this week about Logan Paul, YouTube sensation? Wave at me if you did. It's okay. You can talk to me. Just don't shout. Crazy story. Uh, Logan Paul is 22. He's I think around 35 million people subscribing to his uh, YouTube account. And um, he posted a video last week titled, We Found a Dead Body in the Japanese Suicide Forest. So he goes to a forest in Japan that is renowned for being a place where people go to take their own lives, to make a video blog. And while he's there, someone has taken their own life. And he films it and comments on it, and then puts it on YouTube. And the world kind of erupts. And he's in pretty hot water at the minute. But what, what happened there? Well, what happened was he went to Suicide Forest, something happened, and his training kicked in. He did what he has been trained to do for years. He saw something pretty outrageous and got his phone out and started to film it and then put it on YouTube. Any of you catch Mr. Trump's comments this week about certain countries in the world? What happened there? President Trump's talking about immigration and his training kicks in. That's what happens. And we can look at Logan Paul or we can look at President Trump and some of the craziness that goes on and comes out of his mouth and ends up on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But friends, we need to be really careful that we don't look at people in situations like this with some sort of superiority complex as if we would never do that. Because the reality is we do all the time. The world's just not watching. I wonder, would it be good news for you if your secret desires or thoughts were exposed and magnified for the world to comment on? Frankly, that terrifies me. I don't know about you. I wonder, are the practices and patterns of your life and thoughts good news for the world? Most of us, as we reach maturity as adults, have learned to do this wonderful thing where what happens in here doesn't happen here. That's the maturity that's maybe missing for our dear president in the States, right? That's typically what we describe maturity as. The ability to kind of have a thought and think, whoa, that's crazy, I better not say that. And so we edit ourselves, and uh, one of Dana's cousins, uh, in reference to dating, um, she was talking to her sister, and she was talking about this new guy she was dating, and um, she said, how long have you been dating? And she said, oh, like a couple of months, and she said, oh, you're still dating the representative. I love that. It's such a true, such a true word. You're still dating the representative. Wait till you see the real person. But isn't that what most of us do most of our lives? We present the representative. We send the representative. We allow the representative to comment. Because if we have some degree of maturity, the representative is much more palatable, 
You see, the things that we long for, our ambitions, our dreams, our thought life, none of it was delivered to us by a stork while we slept. It is the fruit or the product of years of training. Now you may put your hand up and go, Andy, I didn't know I was in training. Well, that's okay, but you were. What happens in here is the product of the training that you've been in for years and years and years. I wonder, are you aware of where your training is taking you? The question is, to whom or what are we being trained towards? I wonder if any of you heard of Nadine Lance Collier? Any of you? Probably not. Any of you ever heard of Ethel Lance? Wave at me. Probably not. 17th of June, 2015, Nadine's 70-year-old mother, Ethel, is at her church's midweek prayer meeting. She's been a part of this church for over 30 years, and they gather on Wednesday night to pray, a small group of them. And a young man named Dylan comes through the church doors, first time ever there. He's welcomed by those that have gathered to pray. They're in a circle together. They begin to pray, and shortly after they started to pray, Dylan stands up with a gun and murders nine of them and then flees the church. Seven-year-old Ethel is one of the nine who have been murdered. A few weeks later, at the first court appearance, Nadine speaks to Dylan. I can't imagine what it felt like in the courtroom, but listen to what she says. This is the daughter of seven-year-old Ethel. She looks at 22-year-old Dylan and she says, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And I pray that God would have mercy on your soul. We are a family that love built. And we have no room for hate. Wow. Wow. In one of the darkest experiences imaginable, Nadine's training kicked in. You see, the truth is, we can believe all of the right things and remain unchanged. And I think if I'm really honest, I have been guilty of that for a large part of my walk with Jesus. I think church as a whole, we've been guilty of that. We become kind of like the doctrine police. Or do you believe the right things? When we get around people who don't believe what we believe, we get afraid and scared and intimidated and nervous and all of this kind of stuff, but guys, belief is not enough. I can believe all day long in the physics that enables planes to fly and never get on a plane. And belief in the physics that make planes fly is useless to me unless I want to actually get on a plane and go somewhere. We have a... Um, 
dream that this year, priority, that this year, as a community, we would become more like Jesus. Not just in our thoughts, not just in our beliefs, but in how we go about doing life, that we would learn how to train to become like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6 and 7 says this, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We wanna learn how to root our lives in his story, in his presence, and in his way of doing life. Josh, can we get the list that Stu threw up last week up there? Do we have it? It's okay if we don't, don't stress. I thought Stu did a brilliant job last week and he provoked us to not look at this list as where am I weak or which one or two do I need to grow in? Which is so how we do it, right? Like you see a list of all of the things that Jesus kind of practiced in his life and you go, right, I'm pretty good at building community, but I'm really bad at like praying for the sick. So this year I should probably emphasize praying for the sick a little bit more. And, um, and I love that. And there's a degree of helpfulness in that, but we've kind of missed the point. What the list is supposed to do is provoke us, inspire us towards the life that's possible for us. Um, a great writer, um, Dallas Willard, used to talk about um, apple trees don't have to work hard to produce apples. Like the, the natural product of a healthy apple tree is that it produces apples. And this is the fruit of being trained into the way of Jesus, to allow God and partner with him in forming the character of his son within us, this will happen. It requires intentionality and pursuit on our part, but we miss the point if we just go serving the poor and bad at that, I'm gonna spend 2018 serving the poor. And we've just reduced the whole thing to just what we can do rather than going, my goodness, that life is possible. And I need to learn how to be trained into that becoming the normal outworking of my life so that when the crises come, our training kicks in. So that when the pressure comes on, the training kicks in. Any of you like me find whenever you uh, go to go somewhere in a hurry, every idiot driver in Northern Ireland is on the road? That's just me. Like it, it doesn't, whenever I'm like not in a hurry, it seems like all the normal drivers have come on the road. And we all just go where we're going at our own leisurely pace. But whenever I'm in a hurry, it just seems like the road is full of idiots. And I find myself saying really pleasant things to them in my car. And it's all funny and whatever. Here's my point, right? When Jesus says to, that we are to love our enemies and bless those who curse us, how do we train in that? Because it's no good waiting for the moment of greatest offense to think right now I gotta try and figure out how to build a rhythm of forgiveness. 
The way we train in this is in our everyday ordinary. When someone cuts us off in the road, we discipline ourselves to not shake our fist or point a particular finger, but to say, bless you, bless you. You see, as we train, it becomes normal. How good are you at forgiving small things in your life? Small offenses, small hurts, small grievances. That's the place where we start. So when the big things come, our training kicks in and we learn how to do it. Don't focus on the list, focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the list, focus on Jesus. But how, how do we do this? How do we train? What does this look like for us as a community? Stu introduced the Rooted app last week. Just wave at me if you've got the app. Wow, that's pretty good. Wave at me if you used the app last week. Okay, that's, that's better than I thought. That's good, that's good. Um, Stu talked about these, there's four rhythms, daily rhythms that we can engage in that are like training. Rooted, the Rooted app, it's, it's like a training aid or almost like, think of it like a digital coach, right? Um, because like I said, being formed into the likeness of Jesus, it just doesn't happen if we say we believe in Jesus. Or if we pray, make me more like you. We partner with this. And Stu talked about the cave last week, this intimate space, usually early in the morning, but whatever works for you. This intimate, personal, quiet space where we create a moment in our day. It might be five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever works for you. But every day, we create a moment at the beginning where we welcome God to come and speak to us, to encounter us. I'm gonna talk really briefly uh, this morning about the road, which is that space where we remind ourselves that we are part of the mission of God, that God is up to something and that we have an integral place and role to play in it. Then there's the table, which Mark or Yvette, maybe both is gonna unpack for us next week. The table is that relational space, the, maybe around dinner time where we talk and reflect on what God, God's been saying to us during the day, what's going on in our lives. And then the final space is what we call the fire, which is that it's kind of like an examine at the end of our day before we go to sleep, where we just reflect on who do we need to forgive from the day, what do we need to develop, and what do we want to celebrate. And then we, we pray. Listen to me. I promise you, if you begin to incorporate these rhythms into your life this year, you will stand in this room at Christmas and say, I'm a completely different person. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is real. And he longs for us to learn how to live free and empowered lives. But it doesn't come by a stork while we sleep. As we learn to embrace these rhythms, and listen, there are lots of other tools and things that we could do, but um, I, I think this is really, really good. Some of you will remember Carl Martin. He's a good friend of ours, leads the church in Edinburgh. He's spoken here many times. Carl has uh, been behind the creation of this. He's writing a book uh, about this stuff at the minute, but it's just, it is, it is superb. The reality is we practiced the rhythm of the road at the beginning of this talk where we pray the Lord's Prayer, we remember three people in our lives that we want to encounter God and we pray for them and then look for opportunities to join in with what 
they are doing. Once you finish the cave on the app, uh, you'll be prompted to set an alarm in your phone and for a time of day that suits you and your phone will bleep and then you go into the app and then it'll prompt you to pray the Lord's Prayer and then there's three people that you can, you can pray for. That's how it works. It is honestly as simple as that. And I don't know about you, but I find myself sometimes with this stuff going, really, it's that simple? Really, it's, is it that simple? But like I work for a church, I spend most of my day trying to think how do we better join in with Jesus. And this might shock some of you. It is so easy for me to get into the office and do my whole day and have not really thought about God. That's just, it's just the reality. And so for me, having this thing go off at half 12, remind me to pray the Lord's Prayer, center myself again, that we are right at the center of the God story unfolding all around us and to pray for those people and places, really, really important. The road is about reminding ourselves that we are caught up in this incredible God story of seeing heaven come to earth and that we're not observers of that story, but we're active participants in that story. The road is as simple as that, a reminder that we are part of the story, ushering heaven into the lives of the individuals and institutions that surround us. That we are part of the story, ushering heaven into our city and into our culture. Acts 1 verse 6 and 7 says this. Then they gathered around him. That's the 11 disciples or apostles that have been left after Jesus' resurrection. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's an incredible moment at the very beginning of the book of Acts where Jesus is commissioning those that follow him into his story to go and demonstrate to the world that the king has come, that there is hope and life available now. You see, in this context, when a new Roman emperor came to rule, the first thing that they would do is send heralds all across the empire, as far north as Britain, as far west as Spain, and south and east as Egypt. These were the original evangelists. This is where we get the word evangelist from. They were those that were sent out from the Roman Empire to go and herald the good news that a king had come. You see, in the ancient world, those that lived there knew that authorized government was better than chaos. And so no matter how corrupt or bad the king was, it was good news that there was a king on the throne. The authority of the new ruler would take effect by these messengers declaring we have a king. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing here at the beginning of Acts 1, commissioning these apostles to go and herald the ultimate good news that the king has come that he is here. But as Paul knew well and talked and wrote of in 1 Corinthians, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. That this story, this gospel, this declaration would not move forward by persuasive words. That we can't convince people into the kingdom. 
It's not how it works. It requires power. Verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Becoming like Jesus, learning to live the way of the kingdom. Yes, it requires our effort, but it also requires the power of the Holy Spirit. Could it be that four simple practices of cave, road, table, and fire could actually make us like the king of the universe? Yes. Why? Because the ultimate multiplier is the power of the Holy Spirit. That as we engage in these rhythms, the Holy Spirit partners with us to form the life of Jesus in us to flow out through us. I wonder this morning how many of you would like more power in your life. Move at me if you'd like more of God's power in your life. I think that's true for all of us. In our honest moments, when we face what we face in family life and our work, goodness me, when I look at the news and everything that's going on, we need more power. The word for power in verse 8 here is the same word that we get the word for dynamite from. That we would receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. You do realize that dynamite is equally as useful as it is dangerous. It's equally as useful as it is dangerous. What determines that is the hands it's in, right? Like dynamite in the wrong hands is utterly destructive. Dynamite in the right hands is incredibly useful. And here's what we need to understand about power. Power magnifies what's present in our lives. Power magnifies what's present in our lives. That's why Logan Paul's in the hot water he is in because he is incredibly powerful. There are 35 million people that watch his videos. Is that the first time someone's made a video in that forest? I don't know, possibly not. It's the first time someone with real power actually showed a video like that. So it's happening with our dear President Trump. The power of the presidency has put a magnifying glass on his life. Is he behaving any differently this year than he did three years ago? Probably not. But power magnifies what's present. And here's a thought I have for us this morning. What if God's withholding of his power from you is actually an act of kindness? What if it's his presence and his kindness that's withholding his power from you rather than his absence. Listen, I know he longs to place his power upon us. He loves to demonstrate the reality of his kingdom through his kids. But we have all seen the stories play out where people demonstrate his power and hidden things in their lives that haven't been attended to and haven't come under the lordship of Jesus get exposed and things blow up. See, the more our characters become like that of Christ, the more God can trust us with his power. And the reality is God loves us all the same, but he does not trust us all the same. 
And that might seem a little bit, what? But it's just true. He loves us equally. But we have to learn to grow in trust. I love, and let me finish with this. James, why don't you come on up? I love how Jesus frames this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power is not earned. The power of God cannot be earned. This isn't a clean your lives up so that God can give you a gift. It's not earned. It can't be extracted or manipulated out of God. It is something that we receive as we learn to surrender our lives to Jesus, as we learn to practice the rhythms of the way of his kingdom, we receive his power. Learning to usher in the kingdom of heaven is not a work of intellect, it requires power. And I want us to finish this morning for those of you who are ready to say, do you know what, God, I want to I wanna surrender every part of my life to you. I want to welcome you again to rule it all. I want to learn how to practice the ways of your kingdom. I want you to train me to become more like your son. And I want to receive your power. I want to spend our final few minutes together just imparting fresh power to us. So why don't you stand When we began to worship together this morning, I just had the sense of the Holy Spirit and just wanted to say to us this morning that the power of the resurrection is here this morning. And, and I felt like he said to me, there, there are people here this morning who feel like you came in this morning and you have felt like for a long time that you are literally walking dead. You have a sense of, of death on you. I'm not even just talking about physical death, just like dead dreams. Your life just feels like labor all the time. You feel like you're dragging through your weeks. You know the kind of uh, person you want to be. You know the kind of parent you want to be, but you just can't get there and you just can't feel it. And I had a sense this morning that the Father was saying, uh, the resurrection powers here and then we started singing the song about the resurrection life of Jesus and if you're here this morning and you say yeah I need that ground to shake and I need that stone to roll away from in front of my life the father is here and he is willing and ready to do that for you this morning so here's what I'd love to do James is going to play and lead us um, but if you're in that place you're going I want to receive more power knowing knowing that I'm going to need to be transformed and trained into the way of Jesus, that we're saying yes to both of those things. Lord Jesus, train me to have character like yours, and I want to receive your power. I want to invite us just to come to the front. We're going to pray. And, uh, and if you're in that group as well, you're going, do you know what? I just need resurrection power to speak and do what it does. Um, we'd love to just pray for you as well. So why don't we just come now? Um, James is going to lead us, and, uh, and then as you come, we'll pray. So just come if you want more power.